Okay. So welcome back to a Friday episode of MVP, MVP Real Estate Season 3, Episode 17. We have Eric Upchurch with us from Northern California. Um, you, you bring a sweet logo, by the way. I saw your hat and your microphone. Thank you. That's your company's logo? Yeah, it is. We're going to have to get a close-up to that eventually. But <laughs> love the logo. Um, before the show, you were talking all about your area and where you live in California and how it's kind of against the grain of what people think. We're going to get into that. But first, first off, thanks for being here. Thanks for giving us the time. Um, we, en we enjoy having people out of state come in and talk about real estate because it gives us a little bit diverse um, makeup of what all goes into real estate. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Happy to. Love, love uh, talking about real estate. Any chance I get, so. It's fun. It's addicting. Yeah. It's a good thing to be addicted to. Um, so thanks for being here. If you can, for our, our viewers, give us a background of where'd you come from? How did you get to what you're doing and what are you, what's your business now in real estate? Yeah. I'll give you a quick, quick background to catch you up to where we are today. Um, I grew up in Iowa. Um, after, uh -oh. yeah. I'm from Iowa. Natasha. Nice. It's a great, it's an amazing place to grow up. Um, as I had an opportunity to leave, uh, graduated a semester early from high school. My buddy and I hauled it out to California. Um, we had a family, a family member out there who said, you know, you can help me out on my two acre ranch in Carmel, live in my guest house. I'm going to be on book tour. I need you to feed my horses. And we're like, what? okay, Iowa kids don't get this opportunity very often. So let's go. That's awesome. So, uh, so we hightailed it out to California. And um, then I went to culinary school. I went to junior college, transferred to um, UC Santa Barbara, where I graduated after that, where I met my, my still wife. Um, and this is 20 years ago. Um, we, she, we had a, a conversation about maybe me joining the military. I didn't exactly like a lot of college students, uh, graduated. You don't really know what you want to do yet. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so a lot of my family members had been in the military or law enforcement. And, uh, I just said, you know, maybe I'll do some research on that. And I researched for like six months, ended up in the army. And, um, I chose to be enlisted versus an officer. Um, because I knew I was an influencer of people from a young age. I was always the manager of the, th of the thing that I was doing, whatever job I had since I was 12 years old working in the cornfields. So yeah. I chose that route. Okay. Fast forward. I'm in the military, uh, special operations, army, special operations, um, and bought a house, 100% leverage with the VA loan, which is the best loan product out there on planet earth. And, um, it was 2006. Great time to buy a hundred percent leveraged house. Right. Uh, right yeah. before the, right before the crash. Um, so yeah. when I got out of the military, I like most military members realized I, well, I couldn't sell the house. And so I fell into being a landlord. Um, I knew I could rent it and pay my, pay the bills. And I cash flowed. You won't even call it cash flow. I cash flowed $80 a month. I remember that number Woo. because I'm like, yeah, big winner. I'm like, dang, that was cool. But then I got back, <clears throat> moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area where my wife's from. And first of all, sticker shock on prices of houses. I was like, how are we going to ever afford this? But thankfully, I had a decent salary and, and the VA loan. So I didn't have to put any money down. But um, I just, I was looking at the rental in Georgia and going, can we do better? Like, we bought that without intention to have that as a rental later. What if we had bought that knowing? that we were going to rent it out later. I think we would have yeah. purchased something differently, different, or we would have negotiated better, or we would have bought something that wasn't new construction or whatever the case may be. We would have gone into it thinking about cash flow two years later, right? So now um, kind of in parallel, now our company, Active Duty Passive Income, the largest military real estate investing education company and community in the US. Uh, we've been in operation for five years with that mindset of, Military members don't know what they don't know. Um, a lot of military members, past and present, um, so veterans have access to the VA loan too, they don't know. A lot of them don't even know about the VA loan, first of all, which is terrible. It's sad. Only 13% yeah. of those eligible are using it. And um, Really? Yeah. And so 
we started a small Facebook group called active duty, passive income, military, real estate investing. And, um, it grew like crazy. We just started sharing our, our stories, our personal stories. And then, uh, my partner, Markion and I, at the time we were just, we were like trying things. Like I bought a couple turnkey properties in Kansas city, you know, and then, and then I just shared about it. And then people, all of a sudden we just, we grew to, we're at 52,000 members wow. at the time of this That's recording awesome. and growing at about 5,000 members a month. And we hold an 85% engagement rate in the group. Um, it's just wow. resource after resource. So now we've got single family and multifamily investing academies and masterminds. We have a lending branch. We have an insurance branch. We have a realty branch. Um, and we just launched yesterday ADPI Capital, which is a reggae fund. So it has been a this massive thing of like <clears throat> us just wanting to share our story. I kind of feel like Gary V when I say this. It's like, sh- just share content, <laughs> right? You just share stuff and then listen to what the community wants and then try to figure out a way to solve that problem. And we just happened to uh, form a platform in a niche market of military members, <clears throat> past and present, who didn't have this before. It's just no one was doing this before we started it. So really kind of blue ocean and, and amazing to watch. And um, it, we've got an amazing team and it's, it's fantastic. So then on the real estate side, kind of in parallel back to what I was saying about in parallel with this is <clears throat> I, was, I was like doing some single family fix and flips with a buddy in Kansas City. I got into multifamily, went to a conference and I was like, well, if these guys are doing it, I can do it. I mean, I thought it was, I thought multifamily, commercial multifamily was for like billionaires or something. Like, I didn't know. And so yeah. this is 2018. I signed up for a coaching program and then here we are now, I've, um, I don't know, somewhere close to 2000 units and we're closing big multifamily deals, storage deals, mobile home park deals and all that stuff. So it's been a whirlwind. That's awesome. And, and what I learned from that is VA loans. No, 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 no. Only yeah. VA loan is only owner occupied single family. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. You can do, we'll uh, get into the nuts and bolts. Sorry. That's okay. One to four unit you can buy with it, which is another thing. So we wrote a best-selling book called military house hacking and it's, um, it explains that you can buy a fourplex and again, no one knows this or no one teaches this. So, uh, a young sergeant who moves off post is married, can buy a fourplex with no money down and rent out the other three units. And then they can sell that property. You know, obviously the, the real house act, the beautiful thing is renovate the unit you're in. And then when a lease expires, move to the next one and renovate that. And then you're increasing the net operating income and, and, you know, the revenue and yep. increasing expenses where you can, and then sell it for obviously a profit and then go do it again at the next duty station. It's such a beautiful thing. And, um, or even maybe refinance the thing into a conventional loan and then use one more uh, reinstatement to do it at another duty station. So there's all these really cool things that just people don't like, no one's talking about Well, they are now, but no one was talking about it when I was 25 years old. I wish I knew that because I would have been that guy. I'm buying a fourplex, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I know. And we have guests on that are younger than myself and they're, they're like where I wish I was at that age. And they, they caught the wind before I did and got talking to people before I did. And you sit back, you're like, man, if I could go back seven years and start then what would happen? So thank you for sending out all the, the info on that one. And I know my brother's listening. So Mike jump on his podcast, please. (laughs) <laughs> he's yeah. I talk to him about real estate all the time um and obviously life circumstances and, and, he's and kids and family yeah oh yeah yeah yep. you gotta he's full-time check, military here in Wisconsin definitely check out our podcast too um you guys know uh Kiyosaki and yeah from Rich, Rich Dad, Dad Poor Dad. Dad yeah we've had all the Rich Dad advisors on our show we had Jocko Willink which might be appealing to your brother um, yeah Navy SEAL and a bunch of amazing grant cardone which is a ball of fire you know yeah yeah check it out that's awesome so you got grant cardone on your podcast yeah actually interesting i called into his show and i knew i knew i had to uh catch him off guard in order to like slow him down because he's on his show going numbers 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 (laughs) right and so i was like okay i'm gonna go in and and i like kind of wrote out a little script i was sitting in my truck and i was like 
all right. So I was like, caller number one. Like I, I was like, I have to be caller number one. So I was on the phone hold for 20 minutes. Like my back was tightening up because of all the adrenaline. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to screw this up, you know? And um, so he goes, he goes, all right, caller. Yeah. Let him in. What can I do for you? You got a deal or you got a whatever. And I was like, actually, Grant, I want to talk about veteran suicide for a minute. So I totally just, my, the plan was Whoa. just completely throw him off of what his, so he goes like, I know Elena's dad was world war II, And I know you guys support veterans. And so I had some kind of context for him to relate and ease into it, you know? And yeah. then, um, and then at the end of it, so I was like, Hey, and you know what, we run a huge military real estate investing community. I'd love to have you on the show. Would you do that for us? And he was like, yeah, man, whatever you need, man. You know? <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know Grant Cardone, he is like known across the real estate world. Yeah. He, for... se he sells out like he sold out the Marlin stadium at uh, growth con, you know, 10 X yeah. growth con. He's got a yeah. bunch of best-selling books. He's a, he's a character. You, it's like you either love him or hate him kind of thing. You know, he's energy. He's yeah, he energy. Yeah. 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 That is for sure. Um, yeah. And I mean, kudos to you for doing everything for, for vets. Yeah. Um, I know before the show, you were talking about the fundraiser you guys are putting on. Um, and we'll dive into that in a little bit, but uh, just as a little uh, thank you um, for doing stuff for vets. It's much appreciated. It's my brothers and sisters. got to do it while I'm, while I'm breathing. That is my purpose. So yeah. Gotta, awesome. Gotta do good things. That's awesome. Uh, with that, the VA loan, I want to dive into a little bit because you said it's an under, underutilized tool for veterans to yeah. use. Um, I know my brother has bought both of his houses with VA loans Good. Uh, for his personal re uh, residence. So I know that he's utilizing the tool. When you were talking, a thought popped into my head because another big thing uh, that others may not understand or may not know about is syndicating. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody that buys real estate uses their own money. Yep. Uh, maybe you're not the money or the financial leg. Maybe you are the the brains or the finance or the numbers person, not really the finance money. Um, or maybe you're the, the boots on the ground doing the repairs leg of it. Mm -hmm. um, when you do a VA loan, are you able to syndicate with non-military members? Negative. Or yeah. VA loan, okay. VA loan is a, is an owner occupied product only. So you have to have the intent to occupy the property with it, like personally occupy the property within, uh, within 60 days. And so, the big, the big highlighted word on that is intent. Cause I know with some other loan packages that are not geared towards military members, but you can get them as a non-military person, same rules apply. You need to have the intent, like, uh, FHA, like you FHA, have to have the intent say, yeah. to move in. Do you have to move in? Not necessarily. So how how stringent is the F or the VA side of that? In terms I'm of going intent? to say absolutely move into the property. That is okay. the, the default answer has to be because it's such a great um, opportunity for, for anyone who's served. We don't want to abuse it. And, um, but there are caveats. There are times where you don't actually move in. Um, it happen, happens all the time where you get PCS orders to go to another, like you might deploy or you might go to an, a new duty station or something all of a sudden, and you didn't have the opportunity to move in. So that does, that does happen. Um, but absolutely bills in your name. I want to live there. It maybe, maybe the plan is to move into it and renovate it and rent it out or something. And that takes six months or a year or something like that. So there's all these like kind of things that people will do, but it also, the VA doesn't dictate how long you have to live in it either. The, the lender often dictates how long you need to live in it before you can, gotcha. sell, before you can uh, um, refinance it or have, have it as a rental or something like that. And usually the rule of thumb uh, people talk about is one year, but again, that there's no hard and fast on that. It's, it's up completely up to the lender. The lender might not say anything and the lender might say, yeah, you have to live in it for a year before you can use it as a rental. Interesting. I didn't know yeah. that side of it. So if I went to three different financial institutions, they all offered VA, they may all have different uh, rules or guidelines around how long or yep. when I have to move in and how long I have to live there. Yep. When you have to move in is set by the VA within 60 days. Um, but then how long you have to live there is, is, or how long you, how long until you can technically not live there is the other way, okay. to put it, you know, 
um, is set by the lender. Yeah. And could you technically live there during the renovation part of it of a unit? Oh yeah. So if you renovate a unit for the year, yeah, and there's and there's a VA renovation loan mm -hmm. also, like a, it's basically like a two two hundred three k loan. Two hundred three k. Yeah. Um. So that can be kind of wrapped in, and I'm not a loan officer, so don't take anything <clears throat> I'm saying for uh for you know other than a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, and obviously if you're going down that road, talk to someone in yeah, we, the financial we have, world. We we have uh <laughs> we have an incredible um mortgage company and um. And the vast majority of what we do is VA loans, obviously VA loans. Yeah. Wow. I did not know how complex VA loans were. Yeah. Yeah. We wrote a whole That's chapter on it in our book uh, because there's a lot more to it than, um, than what people think. Yeah. Yeah. The last, the last word that I had out of VA, I mean, was... All right, houses are low inventory everywhere. Uh, multiple offers on the properties that are available. And people with VA financing were actually getting turned down. It happens over all the conventional. time. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. And that, so we have a, um, our, our real estate brokerage is uh, nationwide. We have a couple hundred agents, uh, referral agents at this point. But we at all, everyone we take in ha must be educated on this subject because they're representing our community. We're sending them uh, people who need houses all across the country. And so they have to understand also. And then the, the, the problem is that uh, non-military educated agents don't have this educated. They don't know that a VA loan, the average credit score of a VA loan um, holder is 730, the credit. So, so you're going to have a higher credit the close rate is much higher. It's a federally backed yeah. loan. And um, the, so the, the, the problem that agents have, I hope every agent in the US listens to this dang podcast right now. The problem they have is they think, oh, well, they don't have the down payment. Cash is cash. It doesn't matter yeah. if the soldier is paying that part or the government is, pay or the bank is paying that, that um, backed by the government. Yeah. It doesn't matter what that is. It's cash in your, in your account. And a VA loan is more likely to close than a conventional loan. So yeah. it's really sad to see. And people say, oh, they, they don't have, they qualified for the loan. The equity of that loan is the sweat and blood that they provide for yeah. you and I now to, to live in this country. So don't think they don't have equity in, in that. Another right. thing is the VA loan has two additional options to fight an appraisal that a conventional loan doesn't. Interesting. I did not know that. This is going to so, be a knowledge bomb. Yeah. So that something, um, and we wrote, we wrote about it in the book just to explain it. And, and man, we pass that around as much as possible because it's just a, it's kind of, it's an unfortunate one of those, um, it's like people like, Oh, it's just a VA. It's a VA loan. Just turn down the VA loans first. And then we'll, we got 30 offers. Just let the VA loans go first. And then, you know, people need to look back at that as, as long as the, the number, the amount that they're offering is, is where you want it to be. You're going to be in a better position with the VA loan. Forget about how yeah. much money they're putting down and all that stuff. I know people are skittish about, can they close and all that stuff? If they couldn't close, they wouldn't have had a pre-approval on a VA loan. They had to right. qualify for it. So, right. Yeah. And I always thought, cause there's, there's investors out there that invest in just, uh, like public housing mm -hmm. where rent is paid and governed by yeah. the federal government. Section eight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they go into that because they know their rent is going to get paid. That's right. It yeah. might be lower. It might be lower. There are some that are actually above market rate, Yeah. but the rents are coming in every month. It's like a guaranteed rent yeah. check. I have friends and that's that do the same that. thing on your VA. That's like as, as close to a guarantee as you can to a closing is the VA loan. I have friends that do that and it's a, it's a long-term play. It's slower growth. You can't increase rates to fair market value as, as stuff like in Phoenix and the rent goes up 17% one year or something, you know, you can't, you can't do that. It's an incremental like 2% here, you know, one, two, 3%, whatever. So it's kind of governed, but, but it's steady cash flow. It's steady, yeah. it's steady income. And, and the VA has something similar to that too, called HUDVASH. Um, and that's, um, I haven't used it before, but it's the government paying a certain portion of that qualified veterans rent. 
So um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard of that product yet. Uh, and I had a thought on the, um, what you were saying previously with, um, it was along the lines of the guaranteed income. Um, what was I going to say on that? Oh, it's escaping me. I might have to come back to it. Um, but it was, it was again about the, uh, how, how much of a financial benefit it is for the VA just being, you go through, I think you go through so much more qualifications to get the pre-approval that over the conventional, which is why when I heard that they were turning down VAs, it, it blew my mind. Yeah. Like it'd be right up there with cash for me. Yeah. You, you have to get, I mean, your debt to income has to be, um, has to be on par with anyone else. You've got to provide your DD-214. You've got to get a certificate of eligibility. I mean, and just the fact that you did serve and spent all the time down in the mud and deploying and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad thing to watch. And, um, so yeah, if the, if I've bought and sold houses and, and, you know, going forward, the first thing, knowing what I know now, the first thing I look for is a VA loan. So. Yeah. And I wondered, I don't know if you have the numbers on this, like the, the default rate on a VA loan has to be extremely low. Oh yeah. And it is close, because the I close mean, rate is probably super high. That that's why VA loans are really, really sexy loan products to banks. They, if you, there's, if, if you, there's any sexy loan product, it is, it the, is VA loan. it is the hottest loan on the market. <laughs> I've never been, I've never been told a loan For, product. Is sexy, and so, but. and so, you know, you know, when, um, you know, when you, so the vast majority of our mortgage company is, is VA. So when you, you know, when you get a letter in the mail and this is something that, I don't know, I learned in the last couple of years when we were building this mortgage, this mortgage branch, um, you get a letter in the mail saying, oh, your servicer changed to this person. And then you got to go and fill out their form and you know, whatever. <laughs> well, the loan was sold. So right. like, we don't, we don't make money, very much money very little money. We, we, I'll say it this way. We make very little money on the upfront fees for the loan intentionally yep. where, where the money is made for the, the loan company, the mortgage company or the broker is by selling that loan to investors on the back end. Right. And so yep. there's these bigger banks that buy, and there's only like 13 of them or something. And they buy, they buy the loans on the back end because they want that interest. And they will clamor for a VA loan because it's um, especially in bulk, lots of VA loans because they're federal, yep. federally backed. And because the people in those houses are dedicated to doing what's right and they're disciplined people. Yep. So, and they're driven. So yeah, it's a, it's a good combination for uh, investors to, you know, look at those. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you do more on the mortgage side now rather no. than, I, I personally, I don't. So we have those okay. five, those five businesses. I'm the co-founder of active duty, passive income. So those five businesses, um, I don't know, for ease of ease of time and use, I, I hover over the, over the businesses and okay. we have a, we have a, a, just a phenomenal, uh, team and company and, um, yeah, glad to, glad to watch it grow too. Yeah, no, that's cool. And you said you have quite the big part portfolio yeah. already. Um, how did you, what was your first ever deal? How did that all go yeah. down? <clears throat> first ever deal. My first ever commercial deal was, um, I invested as actually invested as a limited partner. So there's general partners who are active, which I do now. And there's limited partners, which is passive investors, which is the people that I raise money, um, that, that will invest in my deals. Um, so they invest in the equity. So, well, just to kind of paint a really easy picture, when you buy a house, you've got to 80% loan and 20% of it is the down payment, right? Well, in yep. commercial multifamily, and you talked about syndication a minute ago, um, commercial multifamily will have a 60, 65% loan to value, give or take. And then that 35%, uh, and I'm just making up numbers and percentages here, but that 35% is equity that we will raise through, from investors. Those investors are passive. So they will invest in the deal and do nothing. And then we'll provide for instance, a 7% preferred return. So we just closed the deal. I'll give you an example. We closed an 80 unit deal. Um, we owned it for two years, actually 25 months. And it was a, we were expecting it to be a 15% IRR. Um, 
internal rate of return. It was a 45% IRR. We doubled our investors' money in two years. So, huh. um, so my That's first That's the way deal, to get investors to come back. Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, so, so we, my first deal was as a limited partner and I invested some money that I made from live-in flipping in the Bay Area, moving around a bunch of times, just kind of capital accumulation. We're like, holy cow, the Bay Area is on fire, watching the market go up and cashing out and moving to the next place, kids in tow yeah. and all that, right? But I was like, let's do this. This is cool. We're making money. So um, took some of that and put it in. And then I was like, kind of at the same time, I was buying a couple of turnkey properties. I went to a, a multifamily training, a boot camp. And that's when I had that aha, like, wait a minute, if this dude up here in a hoodie on stage talking about having thousands of units can do this, I can definitely do this. I just didn't know it was something I was allowed to do, or I didn't know, didn't know how to do it. So, yeah. um, with, so my first full year in commercial, which was 2019, we closed, um, 571 units and I had zero of my own money. Wow. Deals. Wow. Yeah, it was a That's 212 awesome. unit, a 208 unit, uh, 80 unit, which is the one I talked about, and then a 71 pad mobile home park that we're selling right now. That is sweet. And that was all built from you getting into the commercial was all built on your VA loans. Zero of it. No? Okay. No, you can't, can't use a VA loan for anything other than a no, one No, no, I one thought it was. Unit. I thought it was you were buying your VA loans flipping those properties you had cash oh. reserves from equity yeah i guess out of the, those yeah the lead-in so i live in flipped three times in the bay area so i bought a house for 500 i'll just paint a picture for you so i bought a house for okay. 500 that was the 500,000 was the cheapest house i could find in, i believe it in the that's bay. crazy and that was 2012 i believe that what was the square footage of that one it was uh it was 1700 something yeah okay so a four bedroom three bath but i but it was so, it, so I got that one. And then two years later, it was worth 690. And so that was like 2014, late 2014. So we okay. sold that. And then I was like, I was just a kid from Iowa who's in the military. I was a staff sergeant making like 46 grand a year, you know? And like, so my mentality, I mean, yeah, I went to college in California. So I know prices were expensive, but I never thought I'd be in a position to like have to buy one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in the like, I'm still in the like, everyone buys a house for 150,000 yep. mentality, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, so, um, so we buy that. And so, so all of a sudden there's $190,000 of equity. So we take that money, we buy one on the coast, we just a random, randomly going to the beach one day. Cause we were like 35 minutes from the beach. So we went to the beach one day we're like, let's just go buy this house, go through this open house and check it out. It looks kind of like a cool little beach house. It's two blocks from the ocean. So we go in as nine hundred and. $905,000. It was listed for 900. We, we actually ended up buying it for 905. And then because I, because I, here's a cool thing about conferences and boot camps and all that stuff. Some people say, Oh, they don't work or oh, they're amazing or whatever. Here's my take. If you're intentional about the people in the room, make connections. And I did that. I went to a, a boot camp, a single family fix and flip. It was like the HGTV, you know, rah, rah, whatever, like flip houses in the Bay area. Anyone can do it thing, which, yeah. is, which is borderline BS, but <laughs> at the time, right. you know, if you're just getting started. Um, but what I did learn was I, I met a guy who was a custom home builder. So I, when I bought this house, I was like, maybe we can renovate this thing. And it just, it needed a little bit of sprucing up. It was a four bedroom, two bath. We, we knocked out one bedroom and uh, converted into a, th a three, two, which typically you wouldn't do, but this was, it, I looked around the neighborhood and this is a good point for your listeners is if you're going to live in flip, when you buy, you need to buy in an area that has some kind of crazy value thing about it. Like maybe you're right next to a school, maybe you're right next to downtown, maybe you're so, so we were right next to the ocean. So there was some, like, I got to have it value that it someone will, someone will always buy it. Right. Yeah. And so we're like, then we looked at the neighbors and the neighborhood and we're like, they're all retirees from like way up Northern California. And they just wanted to move down to the coast. So like, we don't need four bedrooms. So let's collapse this middle bedroom and, um, and open up the living space. Cause that's hot right now. Everyone wants a big open space. Right. So yep. we did that <clears throat> long story short. So we bought that one for nine Oh five, sold it for 1.158 in nine months. And we were planning wow. to, we were planning wow. to stay there actually. Um, so that was a 250, 250 spread. Um, and then 
we went up to the East Bay and did it another time and made a little bit more money there. And that, so that's when I was finally like, we, okay, we just, yeah, it was a hustle. And we had our kids in our yeah. house and we we're doing this stuff and moving around. And, uh, but we made good money. And then I was like, yeah. I know I got to figure out how to invest with it. Right. Mm -hmm. So then, then I did the limited partnership, the passive investment. And, um, that's, that's kind of the, that was the catalyst to everything. I was like, well, now I can learn how to do this, not just invest passively. And so then we started buying, buying big apartments and now I'm buying storage. We're closing a 348 unit, um, next, uh, next week. We closed a 439 unit last month and a 481 unit, uh, back in August. So, um, yeah, that's, it's crazy how fast the momentum builds once you just, yep. I mean, it's only been three and a half, four years for me. And it's just, it, once you get going and you just decide never, I'm never going to quit until I'm successful at this, just yep. go and learn and make connections and try new things and then wait four years. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> just keep doing that thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, real estate is a lot like the military. My brother always says, hurry up and wait. Yeah. So you hurry up and you get there and then you have to sit and wait and you have to let what you did kind of like flow through. And then after the four or five years, you'll see the real payout of the, yeah. the long-term investing. We just did underwriting on a 144 bed um, student housing deal in North Carolina that we're buying. Um, and the projections, I mean, most of the time for a syndication or, or even a JV on a commercial building, we'll look at a five-year projection. So everything that I'm buying now, I'm not expecting for um, maybe, I mean, there's going to be cash flow throughout, but but not a whole lot. The payoff is when you add all of the value, increase revenue, decreases expenses, you know, your NOI over your cap rate is your value. And that is exponential. It's not, you don't go by comps yep. in, in uh, commercial real estate. It's, yep. it's the NOI over the cap rate is exponential value increase. And let me, I love painting. I like, I'm a visual guy. So I'll say paint a picture, right? Here's one example of how fast you can accelerate your um, value on a commercial property, the 80 unit I talked about one contract. So you're increasing the revenue by rents or, you know, pet rent or technology package or whatever you can get creative with, right. Whatever yeah. the community demands or decrease expenses. So finding a property that doesn't, that is poorly operated um, or just mismanaged even the contracts. So we had this, this 80 unit, a garbage contract. This is a great example. It was $1,200 a month. We looked around, found the same service locally for $600 a month. Now, plugging that into the, into the model, the financial model for that, for that, and then dividing it by the cap rate. Um, so that increase of NOI, which was like $7,200, I think, divided by the NOI was an immediate increase of value of $102,000. Just because we like, awesome. looked through the expenses. So, and that's not something we had to wait for. If we were to sell it that day, the value had gone up a hundred thousand dollars instantly because we made that garbage contract change. So yep. that's why I love commercial real estate. Yeah. The benefits of organizing. Yeah, exactly. Right there. That's really it. It's especially so fun at the cool beginning. That, right. Right. And a lot of those things you you're not going to get, like you alluded to earlier, you're not going to get those type of things from those big Instagram conferences. I'll call them <laughs> where they pump a lot of money into it. And all these stars are going to be there speaking and everybody's there. Yeah. That's more of like a spark. Like I want, I want people that are on the fence. If they're going to get into real estate or not go yeah. to those, yep. feel the energy, hear people listen, just take it in. Like you said, network, but that's your spark. It's not going to keep your fire going. Yep. That's your spark. You've got to go from that and go in and research those people that were talking and listen to them more and, and read books and talk to people that's going to be your, your actual logs that are going to keep your fire going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are the people that, that complain about conferences uh, or about coaching programs or whatever the people who go, I mean, I, I've been in that position where I got upsold to, you know, like, Oh, the free 90 minute session. And then for a thousand dollars, you can get this tax lien uh, program and access to our three-day boot camp, and then you go to the three-day boot camp, and on Sunday they sell you a twenty-five thousand dollar coaching, you know, package. That, and so I I did that, and and it was I didn't complain about it because the I knew that the 
the action had to happen on the back end. You can't yep. just go and you like leave on fire on Monday morning. You're like, what do I do now? You know? Mm -hmm. So like, you got to have that accountability piece. And that's why I pay lots of money now for masterminds. I was just in Iceland on a mastermind, a real estate mastermind. I've been to Aruba and, and Cabo cool. and all over, all over the world on real estate masterminds, because that's where you make those connections of people who are going to hold you accountable. And, you know, you, you, you make friendships and then you could do deals together. And it's, it's an amazing thing if you really engage, but you have to, like you just said, you have to engage. You have yep. to make a decision every morning that you're going to put that effort in. It's, I say this all the time. It, it just takes 1%, be 1% better daily and success will hunt you down. Yeah. People don't understand. That is that. true. I like that. I like that. Do you do a lot of, um, with everything that you've going on, you've got the five businesses that you kind of oversee. Do you take, like, do you have a schedule at night where you go over and review what happened that day and what you have to touch on the next day? Like, how do you stay organized? Because I think a lot of the things that, um, might hinder people from getting into real estate is the I already have my full-time job. I already have my three kids. I can't put any more on my plate. I don't have uh, the money and I can't, I don't have the time. I love, love, love the objections because <clears throat> let me tell you this. I have a full-time W-2. I have five businesses to operate with partners, thankfully. I have a couple thousand units of multifamily. I have a wife of 20 years and two kids. And, and I, ha and I am a coach, a real estate coach, a real estate investing coach for multifamily. So if anyone out there is going, I don't have the time, I guarantee you have the time, right. but you got to stop watching Netflix at night, <laughs> at least maybe for six months. I watch Netflix yeah. at night with my wife. It's something that we enjoy every night, but I worked until 9 PM, but there's breaks in there. Like I will, I read to my kids every single night. I have dinner at the dinner table with my family every single night. Um, so the things you don't give up on purpose because it's important to the family. And yep. then in between your family's got to know. And, and I, and I don't say they have to, they, they have to know you have to have a very supportive spouse, which I do, but she knows from seven to nine, that's like a little bit of grind time. I'm going to get back in there. And I, I work from home. So I'm going and sitting in my, my cognac leather chair and just hammering out some emails or whatever it is. Right. But, but, um, so there are times that are just chill. I mean, I was in Hawaii, Iceland, and I just, we just got back from the grand Canyon Zion and Bryce with my family. So that's sweet. Nice family. You trip. work it in. We spent a month in Maui last year, work it in, but figure out, figure out the lifestyle you want get the grind down and, and then sacrifice those Netflix nights, man. I mean, I, some of yeah. my coaching students too, I'm like, Oh, I don't have time. I got to drive to work. And I'm like, you got to drive to work. Do you have a phone while you're driving to work? Do you have an earbud yeah. you can put in and call a broker in Indianapolis? That's five minutes of your life that you can use. Do you have a yep. lunch break at your W2? You've got a full hour where you can go hammer out 10 phone calls to brokers in Cincinnati, whatever it is yep. like, people, but, but people don't want to make that sacrifice or they're scared to make that step. And so that's why I think coaching and mentorship is like, or, or like masterminds and communities. Like you got to have somebody being like, Eric, you're not doing it right now. Eric, go push Eric. You fell yeah. off yesterday or whatever it is. But as far as the organization goes, we use click up, uh, you know, project tasking and we have a flow chart, you know, and we, we talk all day on telegram, um, my team makes fun of me for this, but I'm a post-it note guy. I, I, I just operate that way. Sometimes yeah. it's a little bit scattered, but there's a, um, there's something to be said about like scratching something off. I'm a, I yeah. love lists and checklists and then yeah. crinkling up the post-it note and throwing it away, <laughs> you know? Um, so no, yeah, they that, do say like writing it down makes it stick because you're yeah. using another part of your brain. Um, yeah. And even though we've, I mean, we use Trello. So like all of our notes yeah. are on Trello and everybody in our team can comment and move. Those are all nice for everybody to get yep. viewing. But even at home, like I've got, I've got my list in my pocket of what I'm doing today. Yep. And they are all scratched out with things yep. I've done already. Yep. It, it'll never elude me. Like no. I always will have to have it. I, even if I go to the gym or something, I like taking a picture of my to-do list, you know? So I have it like on my phone. So it doesn't matter yep. where I am. I know like what the, what the next thing was that I was supposed to do. So, yeah. Yeah. 
That is cool. I'm, I mean, it's, it's amazing that you can keep all that together. I didn't know you had the W2 thing on top of that. Um, so to drive that point home even more, like it's doable. Yeah. As long as, like you said, you're intentional with what you're doing and you make the sacrifice of time. Yep. That's really what have, it is. It's a, it's a decision, just like a marriage. Every morning you wake up, it's a decision, <laughs> right? It really is. Yeah. I mean, that's you, you have to, you have to treat your business partners, the relationships and the structure there as like a marriage. It's a commitment. It's a, I'm going to decide to work on this thing today. Um, you know, every, every project that we've done in our company has, has taken a lot of time and it was a lot of commitment and it was a lot of effort and all that stuff, but it's nothing that no one else couldn't have done. Like you, anyone could, like, I'm just a regular guy. I just, I just put in a little bit of grind and, and figured out who to work with and just didn't quit. Just keep on driving forward every day. And uh, I'll say this, if you're struggling out there and trying to figure out um, how to do this, I would say, start with a, a a deep rooted why, and I'll I'll tell you mine right now. And I say this very often. So I serve with the memory and pride of those who've gone before me for they love to fight, fought to win, and would rather die than quit. So that quote is part of my unit credo. And um, I say it to myself, I say it on podcasts or just wherever I can to get that out there. Because if you've got a, a, a why, like I buried six of my friends, so we lost 19 while I served. There's nothing hard about real estate investing. So okay. I like when I hear objections of like, oh, I don't have time or, well, I can't do it or whatever. Uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I just figured out like I'm driven. I figured out what's going to get my butt up out of, out of bed in the morning. And in fact, real estate may have saved my life. I, I, the, the fact is I have to be busy. I need to be out of my head. I need to be helping other people. I need to be creating things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's an important thing is, and for the military community, if you're military, listening to this, find your purpose and the way you find your purpose is to have a deep rooted why not just, I want to make money for my family. If you say, if you start with, I want to make money for my family or support my family, ask yourself, why do you want to make um, money for your family? And then when you get to that answer, ask yourself, why is that the answer? And to the point where you're like almost in tears, that's how deep you want to get it. Okay. That is your purpose. Then from there on a say one week timeline, start paying attention to the way you feel when you're, when I'm underwriting a deal, I am tired. I am unfocused. I would ra- I am like looking for an excuse to leave the room. My eyes are crossed looking at the spreadsheet, but when I'm talking to somebody, I'm like lively and vibrant and I can't wait to say the next thing and blah, blah, blah. pay attention yeah. to that. That's your body talking yep. to you. I am not an underwriter and I know how to underwrite a commercial multifamily deal. I have to, but I hate it. So I have people on my team that love it and that's how things work. You know, yep. there's introverts, there's extroverts, there's analytical people. And otherwise, and you just have to figure out what, where you fit in that wheel and be authentically yourself and you can add value to a team and just do amazing things. Yeah. And there's so much to unpack with that one. I, but overall your mentality is, is awesome. Um, the first thing I'm going to touch on is, is that why piece of it in, in really drilling down to what it is when I was in sales, um, this job was actually not my favorite sales job. It was probably my least favorite sales job, but learn something from it in what they taught in their sales, uh, their sales course. Like when I got hired on that first like month period was working through objections and you're going to say, okay, we've got this deal. It's $50 a month. Um, and they'll, they will throw out an objection, whatever the objection is. And what they taught us to do uh, was something along the lines of, okay, well, if I, solve that would you sign today and they'll be like well no because of this and they'll throw out a second objection okay well if i solve that objection will you sign today well no because of this so their first objection is not really the objection just like your why is not your first why because if you want to make fun if you want to make money for your family if you solve making money for your family are you fulfilled well no because of this okay well if you spend more time with your family, are you fulfilled? Well, no, because we want to travel. 
okay, so is that your why? So like keep drilling down until mm -hmm. you can answer, if I solve this, I will be happy or I will be fulfilled. And that's your why. So to keep asking why or to keep saying like, okay, if I solve that, is that really my answer? You Seven kind of drill deep. down into what that, 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 neat, that deep why. Um, the second thing was your, your mentality of it being bigger than you. Um, and that kind of goes into what you were saying earlier with this real estate has yes, provided for your family and given you guys the life, given you the ability to travel, given you the flexibility, but you didn't stop there. You're now setting up what in my mind is a massive fundraiser for, for veterans on top of all of this. So real estate, not only helped you, but now you're now, sir, you're giving it back and helping out others. Can you talk about this fundraiser that you're setting up? Yeah. So, um, I figured, so I was at a meetup in Kansas city, uh, speaking and, uh, this is like Christmas 2019, I think. And I just said on stage, it was all the whole, the whole theme that I was talking about was, um, kind of giving, uh, I just thought that was in theme with, you know, Christmas and stuff. And I said, I, on stage, I said, I'm going to donate a house next year. I don't know how I'm going to do it. doesn't matter how I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. So, um, coincidentally, the guy who's my, a good friend of mine, uh, Nathan Brooks, um, he runs a, a bridge turnkey there in Kansas city. He, um, he said, there's a, a nonprofit here called veterans community project and it's in Kansas city. They built 50 tiny homes that are coat to code on slab construction, beautiful inside and where veterans can come in, live there for up to two years, one day, and then transition out. And there's education and there's a community center that's built on, on the, the lot. And, awesome. everything. and so I said, well, man, I'm in the military community. Uh, and I'm in the real estate community. I'm in the, I mean, we created the military real estate investing niche. And so I'm like, if I am going to have a purpose, it should be putting my brothers and sisters in back into housing. Um, so I contacted them and I, we ended up, we've donated three houses um, there. They've expanded to, um, so Kansas city, Longmont, Colorado, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, St. Louis, um, and then they're going to Milwaukee next and Tulsa and Oklahoma city. So they're going to have eight communities, um, in, by the end of next year. And there's 3000 cities that have reached out to them to come build. So my goal is to end veteran homelessness this decade. And it started with one house and now it's a $170,000 fundraiser that we're doing where in December, I just said, they found 12 real estate investors who have some kind of platform that can raise um, money for donations. And we're going to hike the Tahoe Rim Trail in June. And it's just circa, it's 170 miles. I said, let's, let's raise $1,000 per mile hiked. And um, so 170 grand and we're, we're about $100,000 in right now. And um, this is honestly veterans, four veterans went from homelessness to home ownership not just to an apartment through veterans community project last year um, in one, awesome. in one of their sites. Wow. And um, so the impact on that, on having someone who served our country, not having to live under a bridge or trying to figure out where to take their kids. These aren't the, the veterans that you think of, or the homeless people that you think of that are not helpable. The, the ones that are on drugs and would prefer to be on the streets and all that stuff. It's the guys it's guys and gals and families like me who fall on hard times and who are auto mechanics or they're real estate agents. I don't know about that one, but I'm just making, making up things, but they're, yeah. they're people who mostly have jobs and they just fall on hard times and have to figure out a way to pick themselves back up and they can bring yep. their families in and transition to permanent housing. And yeah. the cool thing about a veteran is that when we're given the opportunity to have um, stable housing for 18 months, even if we were homeless, the chances of us staying in permanent housing is 95% for life. So that's awesome. Really. It's a, really a feel good thing. And, um, granted the, the ROI on donating, which is, it's hard because I raise money for apartments, right. Which yeah. is a, an amazing return. It's, it's like 20, 20% average annual returns, you know, typically somewhere around there, but this is the only ROI is a feel good thing. Maybe there's some tax implications, you know, cause people will get a tax. It's a, it's a 501 C three, but 
still it's, it's like, uh, you got to convince somebody that it's a good cause. And, um, so that's been an interesting kind of transition in the, in the raising capital versus raising donations, you know, so really painting a picture. And, and I think it's going to paint a picture, uh, very well of us suffering out there on the trail, 20 miles a day with 40 pounds on our back for, for nine days, you know? So, yeah. Hopefully you get that weight down. Yeah. I, my base weight's actually 23 pounds. So, um, I can, I'll be under 30, I think, but originally I put my pack on and it was like 40 something pounds. And I started looking at like everything. My tent was five pounds too heavy. My backpack was three pounds heavier than it needed to be. So I just started buying <laughs> new equipment that was ultra light. It's made all the difference. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, where do we, where can listeners find out about one, you mm-hmm. into this fundraiser? Yep. Uh, and what's going on with that one? Yeah. Uh, so me, I'm at ericupchurch.com. Um, my company is activedutypassiveincome.com. Those two are separate. Um, and then if you want to learn more about the uh, fundraiser and you'd like to participate in any way, uh, please reach out to me, eric at ericupchurch.com. And I will uh, make sure to send you the link and you'll get a form automatically. Uh, if you do donate, you'll get a form um, from veteranscommunityproject.org. Uh, for your taxes. That's awesome. And I did hear that it's coming to the Milwaukee area. So I'm going to look in, into how we can help in the Milwaukee area. Cause I mean, me and Natasha are both located about 30 minutes West of Milwaukee. Perfect. Yep. It, that's, so. that's amazing because even when they start building, going out and helping, and I may be there too, uh, going out and start, start helping, um, you know, just putting up the structures once the slabs are down yeah. and stuff like that. So Cool. Yeah. If you guys, if you guys need some labor, we'll, we'll talk off air. Uh, we've got the crew that can come out and possibly help out for a little bit. Well, that'd be fantastic. Definitely. Yeah. We de- definitely would need that. Yeah. That'd be cool. And are, are the ones in Milwaukee, is that going to be a tiny home or is how do they're you know what tiny, the setup is? That? They're all tiny homes. Yeah. They're, they're 260 to 320 square feet and they're uh, vinyl plank flooring inside stainless steel, granite. Um, just, they're nice, safe, well-designed. They're beautiful inside and out. They're all different colors. And there's like weaving sidewalks that go through the community with a fire pit. That's and we're awesome. talking like on a two acre parcel. Right. And so, um, yeah, they're great. And then when the veteran transitions, they get to take everything with them. They take the bed, the couch, the TV, the pots and pans, all that stuff goes with the veteran and they've learned to cook. They've learned to, you know, pay yeah. the bills and all that stuff at the community center. So awesome yeah that's a super cool bonus it seems small but like having all those little things when you move and not even go get them is is big especially for a restart so kudos to you for setting all that up um with everything you have going on so keep pumping keep going with it um we'll talk off air about the milwaukee concept i'm interested in that one for sure perfect and where we can help out I will keep moving forward. I promise as long as I'm breathing, I have purpose. So I get after it. Good. Good. Keep it going. We'll talk soon for sure. Otherwise, I mean, other than that, we appreciate your time. We try to keep it to an hour so you can get on with your busy day. Um, But we will talk soon for sure. I appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me guys. Thank Thank you. Bye. Have a good weekend.